What exactly does it mean to communicate with impact? Impact is, in my mind, the ability to get someone else to action and make a move. Impact is about not necessarily having the answer in the beginning, but discovering that impact with someone else who you're having the conversation with to end up with an answer that goes, oh, I get it. That was Jennifer Lee, senior partner at Deloitte Canada. I'm so excited to introduce you to Jennifer. Jennifer is a bold, inspiring leader who, you guessed it, creates big impact for her Deloitte clients. In fact, creating impact is Jennifer's superpower. That's why I asked her to have this conversation. Get ready to be inspired. Let's do this. Let's talk about talk. Greetings and welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 112, where we're focusing on how to communicate with impact. Let me ask you something. Do you communicate with impact? Do you have any strategies that you use to increase the impact of your communication and your work? These are questions worth asking. In this episode, you're going to learn the mindsets that Jennifer employs so that she and her teams can maximize impact for their clients. She also recommends three specific communication tactics that we can all use to elevate our impact. Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. I'm the founder of Talk About Talk, and I'm your executive communication coach. Are you an ambitious executive? Do you have a growth mindset? Are you ready for a career boost? Well, then you're in the right place. At Talk About Talk, we focus on communication skills topics like confidence, storytelling, and personal branding. If you check out the talkabouttalk.com website, you'll find tons of resources to help you, including an online course on personal branding, as well as one-on-one and group coaching, corporate workshops, the archive of this bi-weekly podcast, and the weekly communication coaching newsletter. Please go sign up for that newsletter if you haven't already. One other thing for you. Coming up quickly, in November 2022, we're running a Job Seekers Bootcamp. If you're ready for a change, this one-month bootcamp will give you a huge advantage in the job market. Together with my friend, executive recruiter Sharon Ma Jin, we'll teach you critical networking strategies, we'll guide you on how to confidently articulate your unique personal brand, and we'll work with you to optimize your LinkedIn profile. If that sounds like something you might need, or if you know someone else who could use this guidance in terms of their own job search, just check out talkabouttalk.com and you'll find all the information there. Okay, on to communicating with impact. Let's get into this. I'm going to introduce Jennifer Lee, and then we'll get right into the interview. Then, at the end, I'll summarize the key learnings for you. So as always, you do not need to take notes, because I do that for you. People tell me they love this. So you can just keep doing whatever you're doing. What are you doing while you're listening? I'm always curious. Whether you're doing housework or working in your kitchen, or maybe you're going for a walk, or maybe you're driving in your car, or maybe you're lying on the couch. Whatever you're doing, you don't need to stop to take notes because I do that for you. At the end of the episode, I provide my summary of some of the most important points from our conversation. All right, let me introduce Jennifer Lee. Jennifer is a bold, inspiring leader who truly creates global impact in everything she does, whether she's serving Deloitte clients, formally or informally mentoring her teams, creating new thought leadership, serving as a board member, 
teaching university students, or raising her family. Global impact is a theme. In her roles as Global Lead Client Service Partner and Canadian Managing Partner of Growth Businesses, Jen's focus is in the areas of growth strategy and analytics, M&A, and value creation. Her clients include global tier one consumer, retail, and private equity firms. Jen also pioneered Deloitte's emerging businesses in cannabis, the future of trust, the Center for Global Climate Action and SEG, digital identity, and she led the firm's highly acclaimed global COVID response leadership team. Okay, yes, that's impact. Jen also is a champion of diversity and inclusion. She orchestrated the Deloitte Next Gen program, which elevates Deloitte women, establishing a global pipeline of impressive female executives. And beyond that, Jennifer has a passion for driving local and global impact as a university lecturer, as an active board member, and through volunteerism. I encourage you to check out Jen's LinkedIn profile so you can see everything that she does. In her spare time, Jen is an avid reader. Her family is global and adventurous, having traveled all over the world together. She says they've lived in five countries and they plan on living in five more. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for joining us here today to talk about communicating with impact. Thank you for having me today, Andrea. So let's start with this question. What exactly do you mean by impact, particularly in this professional context? Great question. Impact is, in my mind, the ability to get someone else to action and make a move. That's in a business context. When you think about impact personally in either mentorship situations or developing others, you think about impact as incremental advice that they can action to make themselves better. And then I think about impact in our communities and communicating impact in the communities by demonstrating value um, to, to people. And so I think about impact in those three contexts because we're made up of individual business. We're individual business people. We are mentors and developers, and we many of us volunteer. So I think about communications in different contexts. Right. Oh my goodness. There's so much to unpack there, Jen. We've got encouraging someone else to take action. We've got mentorship. We've got, you said, incremental. I'm curious about that. Uh, demonstrating value. Ah. And, and to d- different people. Let's start with your comment about incremental. When I think impact, actually, I think big. Yes, uh, and you're right. So it, it comes down to the objective of the conversation. So when if I think of my client work, when before I begin an assignment or before I think about impact, I think about what question am I really trying to answer? So I'll give you an example. I was with a client this morning who is in the Middle East and initially he said to us, well, I just want to redesign the business. And I said, okay, like, are you looking for incremental growth and impact? Or are you looking to make and therefore making tweaks? Or are you looking to make a bold move that will transform the business and the impact will be 10x? Before you can make impact, you need to define the question you're trying to answer. Mm. And so many students that I teach, I keep saying to them, did you answer the question? 
And the class was getting frustrated with me, actually, because I was asking this all the time. And then when the deliverable came out, some of them had and some of them had not answered the question. Mm. And so defining the question you're trying to answer is 99% of your impact on how you're going to solve that problem and communicate it. Nothing is worse than, than a person that not only has not defined it, but actually answered the question around the question. That makes any sense. That makes so much sense. Jen. And so, you know, if I think of it, the time you spend, my teams spend a lot of time thinking about what are we solving for? And when I give you that answer, what are you going to do with it? Right. So that's why I break it into transformational impact and incremental impact. And so my hope is that every time a client speaks to me, I think about, is this a conversation around transformative impact or incremental? And then I tailor my communication with them accordingly. Because some people aren't ready for big bang impact, right? You have to get them there. It can take 20 conversations. And some people, you just have one, but you have to be able to diagnose that. And so that's where when I spend time with people, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about how are they going to receive the information that I'm talking to them? Are they ready? Okay, so transformative versus incremental impact. I have to share with you quickly this uh, anecdote that happened to me last week. I was coaching an executive who said that he found himself in uh, a job interview where he realized a couple minutes into the interview that they were looking for someone who could continue to steer the ship. It was like incremental impact, right? And he's like, I am a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. I He's really about transformational impact. And I something's... Um, came up to mind and I I asked him, how does this resonate? If you're looking at a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, you're all about the opportunities and going hard. Whereas they were looking for someone who was, you know, minimizing the threats and really focusing kind of on the strengths and weaknesses and the opportunities were less. Does that resonate a little bit? With 100%. What you mean? Okay. 100%. So to take that example to even my client example I gave, so this is our third conversation with the client. When he first talked to us, he talked to us about incremental impact. So then he went away and thought about our conversation. He called me back and he actually said, no, 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 it's transformational impact. Mm. And I said, really? Okay. If it's transformation, transformational impact, tell me what a, what kind of bold moves you would make if I gave you three different things the business could do to transform. He said, I would go raise capital. I would go and I would redesign the organization. And he said, then I would actually go bring another partner in to, to, to co-invest with us. So I said, okay. So therefore, what are we trying to solve for? In this case, it was a, a consumer business. And we said, the question for the strategy work is what are the big, bold opportunities in the marketplace that this client could, could, it could position itself for. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think people spend enough time thinking about that because it, you have to come from a place of curiosity first versus coming with the answer. And I think my view, at least being in professional services, we're used to rampaging into a room and giving the answer. And I'm really trying myself to take it more as walking into a room and being curious. Oh my goodness, Jen. Those are different ways to, you know, run a meeting. Yeah. So for me as a coach, I used to think that the best thing to do, whether I was coaching in a workshop or one-on-one coaching, that I would, you know, enter into these meetings and generously share as much as, as I can to help the audience or the person, right? 
And then I realized actually asking them questions. So this is your point about curiosity and establishing the goal or the objective. So asking the person, you know what the topic is? What questions do you have? Like, give them to me and let's let's talk about this. I, I love that point. So it helps, obviously, whether you're you're talking to your students at Rotman or your clients or your direct reports to set objectives, to understand what the question is, right? And, and you're also, therefore, then preparing them for being as bold as they need to be in actually creating whatever the change is, yeah. right? Yeah. And I would say, you know, the second, the second bucket that I gave you was, you know, mentorship and development for impact. The way in which you do that, in my opinion, is if I can help craft the question and spend time with the team on the question, they need to go away and create the answer. Right. Therefore, that leaves them with leadership opportunities. It gives them in time in front of senior executives. They create, they are able to stretch themselves and it'll give them the experience they need and they can stumble and learn because whenever we get stuck or whenever there's a problem, we go back to the question we're trying to answer. Mm -hmm. And so that is the way in which I've redesigned even how I lead because then the team's well-equipped to go away and problem solve if you walk into the room and tell them the answer and be like, go build the deck or go build the analysis, then what happens is if if they find something that goes against what I said, that's really tough for, for them to think through how am I going to challenge Jen versus go away and think about it and come back to me with three different ways we can answer this question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So wh- when I was preparing for this interview, specifically this topic of communicating with impact, I was thinking, is there a checklist of things that will improve my chances of creating impact? And so you've just listed a big one. Well, a couple of big ones, right? There's there's being curious yourself. And there's also kind of scoping what the magnitude of the transformation or the impact can be. And then I was thinking there's probably other things too, right? There is. And so um, if I think about how you introduce yourself and your teams. This is where a lot of it goes sideways, in my opinion. Mm. So when I go to introduce my team, sometimes it's it's actually more powerful if I introduce them quickly in the room than they go and introduce themselves. So for example, if you and I were in a meeting, I would say, client X, I'd like to introduce you to Andrea. The two things I think you need to know about Andrea and why she's here today is she has a PhD from Harvard in personal branding. And the second is she coached some of the very senior executives in the marketplace. That perspective I thought was really important to have in this meeting. And that's why I brought her today, here today. Mm. Brilliant. That is much more impactful than you reading your resume, listing all your credentials, and 10 minutes into the meeting, you're still trying to introduce yourself. Yeah. Right. If we put the person that we're talking to at the center of the conversation, then everything and everyone who's in that room should lead back to the problem we're trying to solve for. Mm-hmm. Like, why is Andrea here? Because that's what the person's really thinking. Well, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. So why is Jennifer here? Well, Jennifer is the lead partner. They don't need to know that I lived overseas and I have my MBA and all this kind of stuff. Like that, I, I guess that matters kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, but there's very few clients that I've met who've asked me to like read my entire resume. Not to say it's not important, 
because you do have to earn your stripes to get where you are. There comes a point in your career and when you introduce yourself and when you start to show up in leadership roles that you have to put that aside and begin to be, let's call it like the way I thought about it, is Jen in the room. Right. You know, Jen's made up of many different things. And so I just need to name those three things that make me Jen and why I'm in front of you. Now, so that's the way, another way I've, I've been trying to train the teams to yeah. introduce themselves more meaningfully. As you know, this is music to my ears. I, I <laughs> strongly believe that how you introduce yourself is the number one most impactful way that you can establish your personal brand, full stop. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, culture matters too. I, I led the global pandemic response for the, for the global firm Deloitte. And um, I had a team from all over the world, very heavily from Asia. As you know, the pandemic really began in Asia. And, um, you know, sometimes introducing others allows for you to tout their accomplishments and really build them up without them having to do it themselves. Because sometimes in the Asian culture, speaking about yourself too much is seen as maybe potentially a negative, mm. um, it's countercultural. Yep. And so you are allowed to go do that. Then yeah, you have wide swath of ability to make everyone feel included and then be inclusive in the conversation if you introduce them, right? Yeah. So there's different methods, but that's one that I started to use. I love that. I, I I have to say you've added to my uh, my thinking here about introductions and I do get the question a lot. So how do I mention something that I'm really proud of, but I don't want to sound like I'm bragging? For example, dropping the Harvard bomb, you say, I went to Harvard and then you divert it to and my research focused on whatever. So, But this is a fantastic way. Actually get somebody else to introduce you. And when you establish that credibility with your client or whoever you're communicating with, that person's going to be more able to to deliver impact because they have credibility. That's beautiful. So that is that. And then in the meeting, they feel included. They have permission to be at the table. And as you know, for women and minorities, that's an important invitation to include them at the table in a world where we often get left out. Yeah. And so you as a leader in your communication style allows them permission to be there and have a say yeah. and be equally at the table. Yeah. So in addition to you introducing your team to clients so that they can have credibility and create impact, how else do you encourage others to create impact? So I think we don't do this enough. And I, I think that this is a best practice. I try and do it when I can. Before the meeting, we meet or and we say, okay, everyone at the table has a speaking opportunity. So there's no such thing as showing up in a meeting and not saying anything. Okay, you're here for a reason. We just need to work out what that reason is, right? So we, a, a mentor of mine used to say to me, okay, Jen, once I do the introduction, I'm going to toss you the ball. You catch it. You talk about what you the, the topic, and then you're going to take the ball and you're going to throw it to you know, Andrea, she's going to catch it and she's going to talk about this. And then the ball will come back to me. And what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to moderate to look for questions and then I'm going to pass it out to the team. So that was one thing after the introductions. So we worked out how we do the introductions. The second is how we catch the ball together to be inclusive of the team members. Mm -hmm. So everyone gets a say. And then the final piece is that 
we actually turn to the to people on the team and say, we have five minutes left in the meeting. I just want to pause for a second because I know we've talked about a lot. And let's go around the room and just make sure that we've captured everything. So why don't we start on my left side and let's just go around the room really quickly. Anything we're missing, anything we're missing. And that allowed allows you again to build inclusivity because that's a real, that's a really important theme for me. And second, to make sure we don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets a chance to talk mm-hmm. and that allows for cultural differences in the room. I've, I've been doing some workshops for uh, a company in downtown Toronto recently, and I, the CEO is fantastic. I respect him very much. And I've, I've noticed that he does this. I'm, I'm now expecting him to do this at the end of every workshop. He does that, whether it's around the screen or around the table or around the room, he says, I want everyone to identify, you know, what the, what their uh, biggest learning was from this workshop. And I, I think that taking your cue you could do that in any meeting. It doesn't have to be a training workshop, right? And you could say, what is the most impactful thing we've learned here today? Or what is, you know, the big learning for you that we need to let, we can leverage here, however you want yeah. it, depending on the context. I think that's absolutely brilliant. The final thing I would do, and I, I'm not as good at this because of the way my schedule is, but after the meeting, we try and convene outside and go, what went well, what didn't go well, mm-hmm. really quickly. This was something my mentor did with me. And we would laugh about a bunch of stuff and then we would go, okay, next time we got to do this. And then we all just disperse to our next meeting. But there's a, there's a quick debrief that actually is a bonding moment for teams. Yeah. And I think we need, we don't do enough of that. And I, I certainly don't because I'm running between meetings, but I'm trying to do more of that. I think um, meetings are tough. And so we have to be able to celebrate sometimes difficult situations we got ourselves in or out of. I have to say, Jen, you sound like such a fantastic manager. I, I... <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> My team would say that. <laughs> well, I know, I know you work really hard, and you expect them to work really hard. But I mean, just the fact that you're having these me- um, meetings before you go into a meeting, and then a debrief afterwards, and like sometimes it's just as ad hoc, but it's that discipline of thinking through, like, how do I actually teach them and everyone to behave in the way that is inclusive of all of us. Yeah, it is very inclusive. It's also very mindful, right? So everyone, let's focus and be mindful of what our objective is, what our roles are, right? And then you go in there and then you debrief and it's it's very consistent with um with a growth mindset. You're saying what went right, what can we do better next time and and like you said you have these kind of little jokes that you talk about that happened in the meeting. I love it. It's bonding. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. So what other tactics do you use to try to create impact? We've been talking a lot kind of at a higher level, a philosophical mm-hmm. level, setting objectives. Are, are there any tactical things that you think really yeah. work to create impact? So um, the third bucket I gave you is around community impact. And, and some of us volunteers, so I'll just talk outside of work. Um, one of the things that I've been practicing is how when somebody leaves a conversation with me, they're better. they're a better person. And that requires you to talk less. So, you know, I was just mentoring a woman um, before this meeting and we were talking, she was sharing with me her career goals. And so in my mind, I was, I, I was, you know, being the A-type personality, I want to jump in and I want to write her career goals for her and like just under on her way. And I stopped doing that because that was my plan, not hers. Mm. And so there was, I, I promised myself I wouldn't talk for the first 10 minutes of our meeting. 
I just listened. So the tactic that I use, because I get so anxious, is I've, I always carry a notebook. And when I feel like I'm going to say something, and it's, it hasn't been 10 minutes in, I write it down. And I write it and I scribble it down because I feel like it needs to come out. And if it doesn't come out of my mouth, then maybe I can get it on paper. Because one of the reasons people blurt stuff out or interrupt or take over a conversation is they need to get it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you have to create a mechanism for yourself to get it out. So I, I started scribbling on paper. I and love that. You're physically getting it out. You're right? physically getting it out. And you'll get to it. You won't forget it. It's still important. It's just not now. And then, so that was one tactic that has been like game changing for me. Because I was always one of those people, I just had to get it out, right? Yeah. Um, the second is leading with empathy and kindness. And the reason I say that is for someone to share with you information, there's a certain degree of vulnerability that needs to happen and connection. And for me, true conversations with impact um, need to have a connection. So I'll give you an example. Most recently, I was asked to join the board of a hospital. And we were talking about it. They were pitching me on joining the board. And I just kept on saying, I don't know if I should join a board. And like, it's obviously a prestigious role, but where can I actually have impact? Mm. And so I kept on asking the CEO and the chair, do I, will I really have impact here? What about there? What about there? So I started asking them questions because it was consistent with my values, which was if I join a board, I need to have impact and help me understand that. And when I kept on asking that question, I started to realize that I was crafting my role on the board. Right. And then I said to them, oh, I get it now. You want to improve the health outcomes of immigrants and refugees. That's consistent with my values, my brand, and where I want to spend my time. I'm in. Brilliant. So impact is about not necessarily having the answer in the beginning, but discovering that impact with someone else who you're having the conversation with to end up with an answer that goes, oh, I get it. You, you're asking me to join the board because I can have impact here. Because I think sometimes in conversations, we don't really know where the conversation's going. Mm-hmm. So, and especially when you're doing community work, you're trying to figure out like, where should I spend my time? Where can I have impact? What ties with my brand? If I only have so much time, should I join the board of a hospital or not? And so sometimes a conversation is a path of discovery, but the way you ask very tactically, how do I do that? I'm listening for words that are in my personal dictionary. Oh, your personal dictionary, Jen. I love that. Oh, <laughs> uh, so so you said it's very different from the professional context or the work context, but in both this volunteer context and when you're d- working with clients, you're really focusing on asking questions in order to make the ideal impact, aren't you? I am, and I was ne- I for many years I was not like this. Uh, this is a personal journey I have been on, and my attempt to take my be a leader at a different level. And I really credit my executive coach. She spent the time with me on this, but we went through a long journey, you know, in my attempt to be vulnerable here um, from my identity being where I work, how much I make and my credentials from school, my education to being one of who I am, what I believe and where I'm going to spend my time against those values. Mm. 
And so if someone was to meet me on the street, I would not be introducing myself as Jennifer Lee. I'm a senior partner at Deloitte. I would be introducing myself as Jen, my a mother, a daughter. I work at Deloitte. This is what I do, but I also sit on boards and volunteer. And I have hobbies and I have friends. Like it suddenly becomes a different story. And this journey to who what what you think you are because of your credentials and who you be, those are very different ways of creating impact in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Because it's suddenly not about you, it's about the conversation and discovering. And that takes a huge amount of curiosity, in my opinion. It does. Do you think it's common that people would be focused on establishing the credibility in the more sort of tangible ways that you were listing, like your educational credentials and so on earlier in their career, and then shifting to sort of more self-actualized things that we're talking about here? I I think so. I think early in your career, you're building your credibility. Yeah. But but, um, there will come a time where you don't need to build it anymore. And then you transition to who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is I don't think I knew when that transition happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it could happen, you know, two years into your job or 10 or 15 years into your job. It really depends on what type of person you are. Um, and uh, my coach was telling me the other day that like that, the majority of people actually don't go through that transition. I think that's true. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, it, I see it all the time when my, when my partners and my um, staff introduce themselves to clients. Like, and then I went here to go to school and then I did this. And then you're kind of like, can we just get on with the meeting? Yeah. And if they don't do it in a malicious way, it's, it goes back to just stage of thought process, um, you know, and what, what defines them. And um, therefore it's how you, it shows up and how they communicate. It does. And focusing on your personal brand is, is key there, right? Because instead of reading your bio, you're talking about your superpowers and you're talking about your values right? Yeah. And there's, there's a whole, we, this is probably for another day, but there's best practices in how you communicate too. So for example, people only remember things in threes. Yeah. So if you're going to list like the five different schools you went to, chances are they won't even remember. Right. Right. So that's, that's that. And even when you're communicating business problems and business solutions, keeping it to three is really important. So no one hires, no, like you'll lose the room. If you come back with, here's the 25 recommendations that we think it gets all about bucketing and rolling it up and getting into themes. And so you do this very naturally in your work, but people only remember threes. Mm -hmm. The second is people remember stories. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my background is extremely complicated on, and so I struggled for a long time trying to explain the moves that I made, the countries I had lived in, and the non-for-profit, but the pro, the the, the um, private sector work I used to I, I've done, and it just kind of didn't make sense. And slowly, I had to spend time thinking about what's the story that I and the general theme that and the thread that I pull throughout my career. And so I had to get really granular in that. And so I would recommend that your listeners start to think about that thread. It's important because it also guides your decisions. Of course. Yeah. And then the final thing is when you present material, um, 
a cadence of how it gets managed is really important. I, I've I've now gotten into this cadence. It all depends on the personality of the person you're talking to. But I'll give you an example. I have a client that is a what I, in Deloitte's words we call them pioneer integrator. So they're thought hard hard drivers, right? Um, and then there's a bit of how do I make sure that people understand this? That's the personality of this particular client: high IQ, very low EQ. Mm. So when when I when I was sitting and thinking about them, I was like, okay, how's this going to work? Because we're like completely different personalities. And this goes back to communicating with impact. So I said, okay, um, we are going to given his personalities, we're going to send pre reads. Okay, day before, so he has time to read it. When we get into the meeting. I'm going to ask him a question. Uh, let's just call him, you know, Sam for now. Sam, great to see you looking well, like a little bit of small talk. We have 30 minutes today. So it looks like we have 27 minutes left. Um, I have three things on the agenda. Is there anything that you'd like to add to the agenda? So he'll say, yeah, actually, I do. I want to talk to you about something. Yeah, that's a big, that's a, a problem here. I said, okay, great. Why don't we talk about your piece first? We get through that and then I can take you through the other pieces because we sent you the pre-read. And he's like, I've read it all. Exactly, Brilliant. right? Per and Brilliant. then you say, okay, um, I have two minutes left in the meeting. Let's just talk about what's the right next steps for remediation given what we talked about and, and, and et cetera. So you've got to get good at managing time yes. because as people get more senior, they're not like, they're not going to, a meeting can't run over. Right. It's just, it's too hard. So we got very good at sort of orchestrating meetings. Yep. Orchestration of meetings is really important. Understanding who the audience is. In some cases, I have clients who are what I call guardian integrators. You can't keep them on track for anything to save their life, yeah. right? Yeah. So pre-reads will never read it. Um, get into a meeting. They want the meeting to be 45 minutes when you only booked 30. So you have to find ways to manage them. That's also communicating for impact. It is. And knowing who your audience is. It that is. would be the third thing I'd, I'd recommend your listeners really pay attention to. So we've got the power of three. We've got telling a story. And I would say cadence, you use the word cadence, but kind of customizing the flow of the formal communication that you have. Yeah, or I would say I'd even change it to respecting the audience because it takes a huge degree of respect. Mm -hmm. to tailor something for someone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this all goes back to listening and asking questions, right? And being open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about communicating with impact before we move to the five rapid fire questions? Well, maybe one thing I'd say. Um, my hope is that for your listeners, that being authentic, which is a highly overused word, but being yourself and finding your own methods that work is really important. I could give you my examples, but really at the end of the day, you got to find what works for you so that you feel true to yourself. Mm -hmm. I watch it too much where people try to behave like others. And it just doesn't fit. I agree 100%. Fantastic. Okay. You ready for the five rapid fire questions? Let's do it. Question number one, what are your pet peeves? Being interrupted by men. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to be careful not to interrupt. Okay. Yeah. Mansplaining. Being mansplained to is drives me up bananas. Yeah. Okay. Question number two. What type of learner are you? I learn in patterns, which drives my teams crazy. Mm. So I can, I, I can't look at a spreadsheet and see the numbers because I'm a bit dyslexic. 
I have to, they graph it for me and I know what the, exactly what the answer is. I see it. So, so I see patterns. Is that visual? Visual, but I can also, I can hear it too. Okay. So clients can tell me problems and then I'll know there's a problem in the marketplace because I'm hearing it enough. Got it. So it's patterns. Okay. Question number three, introvert or extrovert? Introvert. 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 I would spend all my days reading. My goal was to be a librarian when I was a child. (laughs) Okay. Question number four, communication or media preference for personal conversations? So right now it's WhatsApp because I have two best friends. We share WhatsApp and we're always sharing stuff about what's happening with us. And it really keeps us close. Oh, okay. Last question. Is there a podcast or a blog or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending a lot lately? Um, I, I'm a New York Times addict. Me too. Are you? <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you why, because they do everything that we talked about today. Oh. They're they're curious, they tell stories, they're authentic, and they keep it time boxed and they really understand their audience. And there's such a, the, the people who, who interview in the newscasters are so, um, so intelligent. You feel like you're there one-on-one with them listening to the stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for sharing all of your insights on communicating with impact. And I have to say this, you definitely created impact here in this episode. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Isn't Jennifer fantastic? Thanks again, Jen, for so generously sharing your insights and advice. And yes, this podcast is yet another way that she's making an impact. I just re-listened to that interview. And as I always do, I was thinking about the main themes. We covered the definition of impact. Jen shared three communication tactics that she recommends for how we can increase our impact. And she also shared several mindsets. These are general things to keep in mind. She never once said the word respect, but that's the word I'd use as a general theme for how we can communicate with impact. But let me back up. Jennifer defines impact as the ability to get someone else to take action, to make a move. She shared with us three specific communication tactics to increase our impact. One is leverage the power of three. Two is telling stories. And three is considering your cadence. Here at Talk About Talk, we talk a lot about these first two tactics. In fact, you can listen to a whole episode on the power of three. It's a very popular episode, number 93. And we've also done several episodes on storytelling. The latest is episode 79. I'll leave links to those in the show notes so you can just scroll down and click on those. The third communication tactic Jen suggests is cadence. Consider your cadence. Maybe this should be a topic for a whole Talk About Talk episode too. Hmm, I think that's actually a good idea. In terms of cadence and impact, we need to think about making the most out of the time we have. Jen encourages us to respect people's time and don't go over. This might mean it's necessary to pre-issue meeting materials. And she always asks her clients at the beginning of a meeting what questions or topics that they want to cover. That way, we respect the other person's time. She also encourages us to consider our clients or our audience's communication preferences. Maybe it's a pre-issued deck, maybe it's a one-page summary, or maybe it's just a verbal conversation. It's not about your output. 
It's about their absorption of the material in the time that you have with them. Remember, back to the beginning, communicating with impact means encouraging someone else to take action. So those are the three tactics. Leverage the power of three, tell stories, and consider your cadence. Now the big meta theme, respect. As I said, Jen didn't mention this word even once, but when I made a list of her main insights, they all focus on this factor of respect. Respect as in curiosity. Instead of assuming that you have the answers, ask questions. As Jen encourages us, be curious. Let them talk. Respect your client, respect your audience, and give them airtime. There's also respect as in not interrupting. I love Jennifer's point about carrying a notebook so she can get her thoughts down. Not just because she doesn't want to forget her epiphanies, but also because she doesn't want to interrupt. As Jen says, sometimes she just feels like her words and ideas need to come out. That happens to all of us, right? And for her, writing them down gets rid of that urge. This is a fantastic suggestion. Resist the urge to interrupt by writing your thoughts down. So we've got respect as in curiosity and respect as in not interrupting. There's also respect as in leading with empathy and kindness. This seems like an obvious one, but it's not as common as we'd hope. Empathy means considering the other person's perspective. Say you're leading a client presentation. Ask yourself, what is the client thinking about? What are their questions? You're more likely to make an impact, to encourage them to take action if you're empathetic. And last, there's respect as in clarifying the value of each person in the meeting. This is a great insight. It's about establishing credibility. As Jennifer says, why is Andrea here? Why is Jennifer here? That's what the other person's really thinking. Let's call a spade a spade. It's not that we explicitly say, Andrea's here today so she can coach us on our confidence. But rather, more implicitly, the points that we make when we introduce ourselves or introduce someone else should focus on answering the question, why are they here? And I loved our discussion about how the way we introduce ourselves probably evolves over time as we mature and gain confidence. Less experienced folks might focus on establishing credibility in more tangible ways, like highlighting their educational credentials. But then, as we mature and gain experience, we shift to emphasizing higher-level expertise or values. Less focus on what's your degree and more on skills and what kind of person you are. In Jennifer's case, that person is a bold, inspiring leader who creates impact. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for generously sharing your thoughts with all of us. Now, I encourage you to follow Jennifer Lee on LinkedIn. You'll see she has an a LinkedIn profile that effectively communicates her personal brand. And yes, she is very impressive. If you could use some help with your LinkedIn profile, and particularly if you're on the job market or you're considering a change, I encourage you to register for the Talk About Talk one month Job Seekers Bootcamp. It's coming up fast this November. You'll be coached by executive recruiter Sharon Majin and myself on the strategic principles of networking. 
You'll also learn to confidently articulate your personal brand and we'll work together to optimize your LinkedIn profile. If you go to talkabouttalk.com, you'll find all the information there. I really hope to see you at the Job Seekers Bootcamp in November. One other thing, while you're on the Talk About Talk website, you'll see a button that says, record your question for Andrea. Do you have communication skills questions? Maybe something about confidence or personal branding or storytelling or formal presentation skills? Now's your chance to ask me directly. You might even hear your voice and my answer to your question in an upcoming episode. I'd love to hear from you. Please bring it on. Yeah, there's a lot going on at Talk About Talk, and I want to thank you for listening. Talk soon. Talk soon.